Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair will grow out of your butthole. Um, my name is Youngmi Mare. I'm your host. I'm trying not to say um because I say um so much and then I have to edit it out by, by myself, which is annoying. Um, uh, God damn it. Uh, so I'm Young Mimir, I'm your host. As you know, I invite a guest on every week, and then they share a sad story, and then we laugh about it. This week, I have a spectacular guest. I think everyone's gonna be really excited. Um, <laughs> now that I say, I'm trying not to say um, it's just a bunch of ums, but this guest uh, is a very well-known musician. You may know him as the lead singer of the extremely popular band, very formative band for a lot of people, you know, in the world, Thursday, everyone give it up for Jeff Rickley. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me, young me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I feel like, well, obviously you're like a famous musician, but I feel like you're so important to a, a certain group of people <laughs> like me, Aww. like myself. Yeah, it's great <laughs> to be on here. I mean, we've known each other for quite a long time now, too. How long? Jeez, it's got to be like... 10 years, probably. 10 years. Yeah. Because um, I I moved to New York 10 years ago, and that's when we met. Yeah, wow. Wait, how long have you lived in New York City? Since 2004. Wow. Although I spent you're, so much time. You're coming time. up on 20 years. Yeah, I spent so much time on the yeah. road, though, that it's like, it's not really the same as when a New Yorker who stays in New York mostly says, like, they've lived here 20 years. You know, I, I get away every year for the most part. Yeah, I feel like you're always away. I guess that's the life of <laughs> yeah. a famous rock and roll star. <laughs> when I was younger, it was yeah. when we when we were, like, in the heyday of, you know, the OG emo wave or whatever. Uh, no, um, <laughs> it was, like, 11 months a year, I think, we toured. Wow. Yeah, that's way too much. <laughs> and you just got, did you just get back from a tour? Because last time I talked to you, you were in San Diego, and that was like last week. Yeah, we got back on Monday, I think. We got back on Halloween, basically. And then we leave again on Monday. This time for a cruise, which I've never done a cruise before. So I'm a little like, this is going to be weird. That sounds like the best cruise. It's like an emo Thursday is playing on the cruise. That's amazing. Yeah, the emo's not dead cruise is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to go on that cruise a bunch of people with like seen hair and like earplugs gauged ears yeah, I mean I think it's a great idea to get trapped on a boat with like your your most like your most rabid fans it sounds it sounds good for like what five could days possibly go wrong what could possibly go wrong Jeff <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing that to Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional though. I'm gonna follow him around and that way like nobody can punish me because I'm punishing Chris much. Wait, is he also <laughs> is he also playing on the cruise? Yes, he's on the cruise. He's playing the cruise. You're joking. Really? So this <laughs> no. is like an emo cruise. Oh no, it really is. Like they're screening Spider-Man 3 because that's the one that, that Chris's song with the Dashboard Confessional song was the main song in, but also because Mark Webb directed it, who did all the My Chemical Romance videos. So it's like a very like even emo adjacent things get like brought in. That's amazing. I I really <laughs> want to be on this cruise. How do you get on this cruise? Just Google emo emo cruise. Emo emo's not dead. You gotta Google that. <laughs> emo's not dead. I said I called gauged ears earplugs. I'm like, there's gonna be a lot of earplugs. <laughs> there are gonna be a lot of earplugs. We're we're there getting are. up there in the ages. There earplugs are, and gauged yeah. ears. Oh, that's exciting. You're leaving Monday. I've never been on a yeah, cruise. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Me neither. Have you been so on a cruise? Not a cruise. I've been on boats. Like, like yeah. you know, we we cross the channel from England to France. When you're on tour, you bring the whole bus on the 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 barge that crosses the channel. But that's the closest I've been to a cruise. A, a barge. <laughs> a barge. <laughs> yeah, the Staten <laughs> Island Ferry. The Staten Island Ferry is the closest I've been to a cruise. People are like, "Have you been on a cruise?" I've been on the Staten Island Ferry multiple times. I know all about cruises. Yeah. I feel like the food is like people always talk about like the food on cruises. Are you excited? 
Isn't that like all you can eat buffet? Or something? <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I think so. So I've been touring. I've been on tour. I've been vegan on tour f- oh. this year. But wow. I'm thinking maybe not the cruise. Or maybe that's the safe way to cruise on the cruise. I don't know which it is. Yeah, I don't think you should be having the, sh- the shrimp scampi on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have like explosive diarrhea and there's like no hospital. There must be like a hospital, right? Something. There must be. Pharmacy. Well, my mom was telling me like, she's like, oh, it's it's Norwegian cruise lines. You know, have you ever heard of the nor- the norovirus? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like you, you, you shit for days. And she said, well, that's named after Norwegian cruise lines. Did you know that? Because that's where it started. <gasps> that's so <laughs> intense. Remember, I feel I like you have, Nor- you have to edit yeah. that so you don't get sued by like Norwegian cruise lines. No. <laughs> Should I, I'm gonna edit. You want me to edit that out? I will. I don't know. I'll just, know. I'll just record myself saying um over and over again, and just like <laughs> put that on top of you saying that. <laughs> like, <Yes>. Um. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that in. Wait, do okay, will they get cool. mad? Do you think? No. Who cares? I don't know. Google it and see if she's right. Because I just took my mom's info. word as if it was like real. Yeah. I'm gonna Google it right now. I'm doing my dude. Due diligence, norovirus. Damn, you and Joe Rogan really doing that due diligence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hate sp- me and Joe Rogan hate spreading misinformation. We're, <laughs> so we're really about making sure that everything. Oh, oh wow, it's. I don't think. I don't think it's true. It just says that there was a case <laughs> of norovirus, which uh, makes sense. Obviously, one person's sick, and then they, and then they get the whole yacht sick or, or whatever that makes sense i i didn't yeah. find it so yeah i don't know if that's true so, yeah it's gonna pop up right that, away spreading that misinformation i feel like it would pop up right away right yeah, yeah it would be like yeah. the first thing okay <laughs> yeah. we're we're deep in joe rogan territory right now it's actually norovirus <laughs> is caused by the vaccine <laughs> <Well done>. <laughs> <laughs> so i always have a guest on and then you know i ask them to share a sad story and then it I always feel like it's awkward, so I try to like share a sad story first. Okay. <laughs> just, yeah. a, a well, you got this singer Thursday on, so I don't know if I'll come up with anything sad. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, this is my this is my work, my life's work. This just, is my bread and butter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uncomfortable being sad. Oh, that is like such an interesting. I just realized like that is an interesting thing. It was like I guess uh, that's like I kind of want to ask you about that because like emo is about you know like being sad and stuff like that. What's your relationship to the sadness and like talking about it? Well, I never really thought about it as such, but uh, and maybe this is something that'll bridge into my sad story. But uh, I, I went, I went to Mexico and I took this um, experimental drug and it showed me like some really dark stuff, dark stuff Mm. about myself. And I remember sharing that to a friend uh, because I was in turmoil over like, what does it mean? And he, we were just like walking for coffee and he's like, well, yeah, man, I mean, you're the singer of Thursday. So like finding out that you hate yourself isn't exactly a surprise. And I was like, wait, really? And he's like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding? Like, do you, do you not see yourself the way everybody else sees yourself? And I thought, yeah. well, maybe, maybe I don't, <laughs> maybe I don't see myself as a gloomy character. Cause I feel like I'm generally like a pretty uh, good natured uh, person. Liza always says that she thinks I was a golden retriever in a past life, you know? <laughs> That's fascinating. No. Cause like, I just realized, yeah, like we know each other as friends and I, it's very mm-hmm. separate in my head, like your music and your band and like you as a person. Like I, yeah. I agree with Liza. Um, I feel like you have like big golden retriever energy. Like you're very positive <laughs> and like goofy feeling. But I also in my head, there's like the your, you know, like your work and like I guess your persona, if that's like fair to call mm. it that, like your stage persona. And I'm like, yeah, that's like a completely different person in my head. Yeah, they feel and different too. There's this great um, and there's a Mogwai record called "Come On Die Young" that starts with this like Iggy Pop quote. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think he must've been on TV or something. And he's saying like, when I'm on stage, I don't feel anything good or bad. It's just like my whole consciousness just shrinks down to one little point and then it's over. And I, re- that I related to it so hard. It's like the second I step into the music, I'm not really conscious of the rest of what's going on. It just kind of comes out. And then when I'm done, it just feels like this brief blip of something that happened. Mm. Um, so 
when people that know me see me play for the first time, they, they say like, wow, I was almost like scared because you seemed like a different person. It's not that you were scary on stage. It's just that like oh, suddenly I had the feeling that I actually have never known you. <clears throat> and I can I can sort of understand that because I don't know if I like I feel like that's a separate person that I don't know that well either. <laughs> you know, that's fascinating. God, this is so interesting. I'm really glad that we're talking about this because I just I didn't realize until I was talking to you right now that I see that person like the singer of Thursday as a different person in my head. And it's like it sounds like mm -hmm. that's like kind of how you are seeing it, too, because, you know, you talked about this experience you had and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm a sad person, everyone. Can you believe that? And people are like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you, yeah. Like, like it just occurred to you, too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But clearly, like one of the things that I, I, I think I've learned, you know, through that whole like hallucinogenic experience was that it's not a different person. It's it's there all the time in me. Right. But it's something that I I push down uh, deep. <laughs> yeah, because of course, it's it's a part of you, you know, like, of course it is. But the thing that I'm like really processing right now is that, um, you know, because I I I'm a fan of your band and. I'm, I listen to all these other musicians and I'm like, now I'm like, wow, that person that I think I know because I listen to their music is probably just like nothing like that in real life, which is obvious, you know, like who's walking around like. Yeah, I do think there there are some people that are closer, maybe they're two sides or whatever, like aren't as far apart. I remember yeah. um, seeing Elliot Smith. We played with him right before he died. Mm. And seeing him off stage and thinking like, yeah, he's this, he is the same. Like he didn't seem at least at that time. And maybe there were other times that were different, but at that time it seemed like, oh, he doesn't have like a, like a respite mm. from like, from the, that gloomy, like sadder side of, of what he has. And that, yeah, that really stayed with me. Cause I, I wouldn't want to be the person that I am in my songs all the time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hard. Is there a part of you that feels like maybe this this is just getting really existential now, but like, do you think that maybe like the stage person, you is like the real you and then in your like normal life, you're putting on this mask of like golden retriever energy mask? That's very possible. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's probably, there's probably a lot of truth to that. And I think like anybody who gets to know me, long enough sees the dark side you mm. know what i mean and mm -hmm. and it's a pretty like clear like after you see that if you're still my friend then, then we're like really we've been friends yeah. and you really know me you know what i mean i yeah. think there's enough people that see like a glimpse and are like okay yeah it's not for me thanks right um, maybe even possibly people that i've like dated or married <laughs> you know so uh <laughs> I, I also i just want to say i just said the real you but i i don't stand by that i think that it's all the real you right like we're all like multifaceted people yeah i'm not nice. even sure if there's such a thing as yeah. a real yeah as a real you right like there's like i agree i don't know yeah i'm not to, I'm, i feel like i'm gonna start getting like totally joe rogan psychedelic <laughs> or something you know start being like <laughs> deep thoughts you know deep thoughts for dummies um you know thought? but like yeah i think sometimes <laughs> deep thoughts for dummies is it's the perfect way to describe <laughs> joe rogan <laughs> but like, like, <laughs> that's so good <laughs> but like i also sometimes enjoy that so it makes me think oh, maybe i'm kind of a dummy too <laughs> yeah we i mean I, i'm definitely i identify as a dummy deep thoughts for dummies i saw the funniest thing about joe rogan somebody was like somebody actually said something like that where they were like joe rogan is like he's like a caveman or something and he just like got the gift of like uh, introspective thought and so everything is like fascinating to him and he's just like whoa whoa but then he's like but what if fire not bad and, and then it's just like whoa i forgot i forgot what it said but it was so perfectly like worded but that's thrilling right like seeing that is so thrilling like you're like yeah look at him he gets it you know what i mean he's starting to get it or yeah. whatever no life must be so exciting for joe rogan like can you imagine living life like just fat blown away by everything blown away by stuff that we read about in high school you know that's Oh, it's just a beautiful mind there. <laughs> so it's wonderful. Yeah, that is a beautiful mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When I, you know what really truly blew my mind, and maybe this is one of those things, yeah. but when I found out that he is like 
second or third cousins with Gerard from My Chemical Romance. Oh, wow. That was like a... Everything is everything. <laughs> I was going to say about like, because I, I, I also have like a stage persona, right? And I also have like this like... Yeah. It's and it's like very much. I I guess for comedy it's different because like basically the whole thing is like, the it is an act, but like the whole thing is created to make it look like it's not an act, right? So it's like interesting. I, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like I a, see that like a stand-up comedian, you see them talking on stage, and the like. I feel like if you're a good stand-up comedian, you feel like someone's friend mm-hmm. telling a story. I also feel like I've seen a stand-up comedian where it's like funny asides that seem totally tossed off and casual or something that they've like workshopped too, mm. which is something that I think is so incredible. I don't feel at all betrayed by that. It's that's respect. It's like, wow, if you, that's something that you had ready to go and you still made it seem like I could say it or not say it. And it was like the funniest part of the bit. Yeah. Then I'm like, you know, so that like that, le- like you said, that level of, of, a, of a persona that's made to look like it's not a persona is so that is really that I think that's art I really do I, I think that's amazing I, I don't think I could do that very well yeah well I mean I think people yeah. Captain Obvious <laughs> <laughs> I think people um I mean you know because when you see a good stand-up comedian because they're so good at it people don't even realize that then it's like then they think that that's who you are you know what I mean like when you're off stage oh, wow. yeah. do you know what I mean yeah I had never really thought about that because like uh, yeah, even even I thought when I first when I first heard you were doing stand up comedy, I thought that makes sense. Young me is really funny. Mm. You know what I mean? So it seemed to me like it didn't seem like um, this new project or whatever. It seemed like well, that makes sense. But of course, it was a new project. Like of course, it was like it was work, and there was like a lot that went into it, rather than just like well, yeah, she's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's weird because like there's like definitely like an arc when you learn stand up where at first you're just like do, and it's like really like corny. And then I feel like as you get into it, you sound like yourself more. You know, like now on stage I sound like this, mm. right? But that takes a lot of practice. It's it's such a weird thing. Um, but mm. yeah. But then also like you know and like following our conversation, it's like I'm always like that's not me. That's like this thing. But I'm like, it is me, you know? Do you ever think this is something that I find when I'm when I'm writing uh, sometimes in songs, sometimes for other outside stuff, uh, I'll be writing in the first person and I'll say, I'm not sure that's something that my character would say. And it's like weird because it's like my character. You know what I mean? I think about mm. like the persona sometimes that's in the work as outside of who I am, even if it's directly like, who's the character? No, the character's me. But also, like, in this instance, is this something true to this character's... It's a weird thing to say, I guess. Oh, that's so interesting. I've I've never thought of it as a character, but uh-huh. I've, I have definitely thought, like, that's... I, I just... I see it as one entity, like, myself. Like, I'm like, that's not something I want to say or I would say. Like... Okay. There, Yeah, there are times where I'm just, like... Sometimes I'll write something and it sounds... This is also really interesting because I think it plays into me being biracial also like i'll i'll write something this is, this is so weird i'll write something and i'll be like that sounds too white like it sounds too like like a white <laughs> and i'll have to like yeah i yeah. think i think you're starting this separation of the, that character then a little bit because it's like well mm. if you wrote it it is something you'd say right but it's not something that you want to be like perceived as saying yeah. in this particular bit or whatever um yeah. So that's yeah, it is really interesting. Even just the thought of like, is that something that I would say, I think is a fascinating like conceit. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like it's this double blind that you're hiding you know, that well, in a good way you're hiding behind. When I say like hiding when it comes to the arts, I think like that that hiding is a positive thing. You know what I mean? That's where like the art comes from, is that yeah. need to like obfuscate or get away or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, it's good. It's it's such a yeah. <laughs> my therapist says a lot of my problems start there. Really? <laughs> where start? That this where? Is good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that hiding. Like in the like where I'm like yeah, hiding is good. Like changing things, changing the facts, changing like uh, like transposing the feelings from one situation to another situation. It's like that may be good for your art, but in your life, I think it gets you into trouble. Oh, sometimes. interesting. Fair enough. 
But I mean, what are you supposed to do? That's that's you. That's you. And that's, you know, that's such a big part of your life. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's like it's those things. I think my therapist says, like, it's this thing um, in terms of like my comedy where it's the thing that I love the most about myself that I'm like outspoken and I'll say fucked up shit. But it's also the thing that I'm deeply ashamed about and it harms me in so many ways, you know? Wow. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> but also I wouldn't give it up for the world. Like I'm, I'm the person that's going to do something fucking embarrassing at your wedding i'm sorry don't invite me please <laughs> nobody invite me to a wedding i've ruined one too many weddings at this point but also <laughs> but you know one or two people were laughing during that so that was that's kind of worth it for me i, I was like that is interesting i was gonna say something and i forgot i, I it's, it's left me it's left the train has left the state deep thoughts for dummies you know Trying to keep it going. Deep thoughts are toys. <laughs> I mean, if it's not taken, I might take that. You know what take I'm saying? That's, that's my next. That's, that's my a, next, next of your. That's your next album. Deep thoughts for dummies. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. I feel like I, I just love Joe, Joe Rogan. I'm just trying to get to get get at his level. Um. Okay. So the sad story that I have this week. Sad. Oh, I. You know, I am ending the other podcast that I was doing with my friend Brian. And I just got so sad about that this week. I was like crying. This isn't that sad. But like, I, I, I was just crying. And I was just like, we, we had our last ever guest, you know, and I was like, oh, this is the last time I'm going to like, be talking to this person. Um, I think I can tell you what, who it is. It's um, Kathy Park Hong. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe that somebody like you would like talk to me and like, you know, like Jeff and stuff like that. Like, this is great. But now I'm just like, oh, I have another podcast. So who cares? But I don't know. That was my, wait, I don't like my sad story. Can I do another sad story? Is there time? I was sad in the moment. I'm sure there and is. then now I'm like, I'm not sad about it anymore. So it doesn't feel authentic, you know? <laughs> well, what made you sad about it? It just just because it's like ending you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but i'm actually not even sure what what maybe i haven't processed it enough to talk about it but maybe yeah i mean because it seemed when i saw that announcement the announcement made me kind of sad so like i feel like i i feel like probably you just haven't processed it if it's not really making you sad yeah you know what's making me feel bad but not necessarily sad i kind of feel like people asian people are like we need to we need to like we need more stuff like this and we need to keep talking about it and i feel kind of like i'm letting them down by being like i, I don't i'm like done doing this like asian identity podcast Mm -hmm. Which is, I guess it's not fair to myself because everything that I ever do moving forward is always going to be about that. Just because it's not called like Asian mm -hmm. something, it's always going to be about my, you know, relationship to Asian identity and like trying to like progress in terms of making the world better for Asians. Like everything I do ever is going to always involve that. So I guess it's, it's okay that I'm stopping this thing that has the word Asian in the title, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's that's fair. That's a fair way to look at it, for sure. Like, it's not really a total ending for you. Like, it's an ending of this particular configuration of that yeah. part of your journey or life or whatever. But, yeah. But it is hard to leave collaborators. Yeah. It can be hard to leave collaborators. Yeah, yeah maybe that's what I'm sad about. Even just situations. Even just situations that you're familiar with are hard to leave yeah okay well that was my sad story um we're we're ready for yours what what's your sad story jeff well when you were when you were saying that one i was thinking oh maybe i should talk about when thursday broke up but just because it's like it's like parallel you know uh because the original one would I, I i was thinking oh that might be too that might be too sad after <laughs> no the, i mean if you don't want to share no, no we, you can get as I sad go. as you no, want i mean Hmm. Yeah. Well, man, there's a thing that I, I, I thought about, I've thought about a lot over, uh, over the decade that followed the making of full collapse. Um, and I, oh God, I've thought about it so much, but, um, 
you know, I thought about like, so the, the collaborator, the, the producer, the mix engineer and the guy who owned the studio, um, uh, that recorded our first record and recorded full collapse and recorded, um, war all the time. Even after war all the time, we decided to use a different producer and try some other stuff. And I know that he was like super, super bummed that, you know, that we, that we, didn't come back and do more stuff with him again. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, started thinking, you know, if we, if Thursday ever does music again, we should do it with him. I think it'd be really cool. Um, he was sort of like a mentor to me when I was a kid, like the first job I ever had, uh, in a studio was, was supposedly being a studio intern. Mostly what I did is he had four golden retrievers that I would take care of while I was doing (laughs) other stuff. Um, but, uh, but so I thought, yeah, we'll do that. And then during the pandemic, he actually died. And I've been thinking about like, man, I can't believe like, I just sort of put it off forever. And now it's like, that's it. It's done. And, um, and it was the type of thing that like, didn't even get to go to a funeral or anything because it was like during COVID and he had moved, he had moved far away and stuff. And, uh, I just keep thinking about him as a collaborator and thinking like, I don't even know if I ever expressed to him like the impact that he had on me, you know? Mm. Um, and that's just one of those things that maybe it's just like an age you get to when you start to lose people that you just kind of thought like, well, I can tell him he's an asshole for 10 years and someday I'll tell him he's not an asshole or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, I'll I'll say like, I actually like you or you are an asshole, but I love you anyway, you know? Um, cause he's definitely like one of the, he's a gigantic personality. You know, he used to run these ads for his studio. This is how I found out about him. There was a newspaper in New Jersey called the Aquarian, which was like the weekly music newspaper kind Mm -hmm. of. And they used to run these giant ads that said like, um, like at big blue mini studios, we're not happy till you're not happy, you know, or like, uh, you know, if you come in here and we don't listen to a thing you say, you might come out with a recording that sounds good. You know, they would just have all these really offensive ads that would say things about (laughs) what an idiot you are and how smart they are. And I just like, there was something about it that I really loved. And so that's how I like hit him up and, and started working there. And he was so talented, but working with him was like that too. Right. You know, like they, he was the one who started calling me Tone Jeff, mm. like when I was a kid, because I was so tone deaf that he was like, well, why don't we just call you Tone Jeff? You know, because you can't fucking sing to save your life. You're such a, you know, you're so bad at it. But, you know, it, it's really, it's strange because I just think of this larger than life character and now it's just no way to ever say goodbye or anything like that. And yeah. it's certainly not the first time, you know. This is a really interesting topic to me because... I think most of us, you know, when we think about death, especially when you're younger, you think about, oh, my parents are going to die or, you know, somebody. And that's like scary. And that's like, like, I feel like most people when they're younger, that's their imagining, like that's their fear of death, right? Your parents or somebody very close to you. But I had this realization too recently where I was just like talking to somebody that I know and I was like, oh, this person is also going to die, you know, like, and that's going to be horrible, And it just like really Mm -hmm. made me very sad. Obviously, they didn't die yet. But um, just that realization was huge for me, which is so strange. Mm -hmm. It's like the the person, you know, the the woman working at the laundromat that I talk to every day, she's going to die, you know, and that's like, right, that's going to be devastating. I I don't know, like that, that occurred to me very later in life, too. It just this just happened like a few years ago where it hit me. Yeah. 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 It's so strange. You know, like when. When I was younger, when I was in high school, I had this really weird, um, I guess it was, you know, pretty un, uh, uncommon that like I had a bunch of kids my age who died while I was in high school. Oh, really? And yeah, like my French partner got hit by a train behind the school and like stuff like that. Wow. Like really strange, like ran- random seeming, random seeming, you know, scooter motorcycle accidents. Uh, somebody fell off the cliffs in the Palisades, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Oh it's it's all in like the first couple Thursday records. There's all this stuff about all, all that in there. And so I kind of like sort of understood like, oh, sometimes people die these deaths that are just crazy tragic and whatever. Yeah. But I somehow still didn't kind of figure that these like larger than life characters who I just think of as fixtures of a neighborhood mm. or like, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, I don't, you just, uh, just 
hey, this big personality person. I just, you know, you just don't, you, I kind of think of them as being like immortal somehow, yeah. I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, and maybe it was also that I, it was, it was, he had been out of my mind a little bit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the last thing you expect to be back in touch with them is to hear that they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, I think the denial of death is such an important thing for society going on you know it's yeah. like we can't just all day to go like stand around can like you oh imagine? my god everybody's gonna we're all gonna die you know can you um, imagine if all of us really just started thinking about it we'd be like what are we doing this is horrible it's <laughs> just spiraling all day long all day every day just like we're all gonna die <laughs> joe rogan would never i can tell you thursday <laughs> Thursday would be a much bigger band. We'd be fucking You'd huge. Be huge. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. What if we just start doing that? I'm really glad that you shared that story because it's like it's it feels like something that people don't talk about. Like, and people come on this podcast and they talk about people dying all the time, but it's always like their parent, their grandparent, um, which is very understandable. That's like you know, obviously those deaths yeah. really hit people in a way different way, you know, but. But I think that there is like a particular sadness uh, um, with deaths like you're you're describing that maybe get overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. I don't know. It feels like uh, like it came out of nowhere, you know, like a sucker punch that wasn't that hard. It wasn't that hard to punch, but it like hit me when I wasn't expecting. It, yeah. You know what I mean? And also, I think a big part of it is that you had this like idea of reconnecting and you wanted to say something yeah. to this person. I mean, maybe it's just a totally selfish thing. You know, it's just like I had this idea that I wouldn't like take this thing for granted that I have with this person and let it go. You know, yeah. like I had this idea that like I wasn't the type of person who wouldn't make things right between people that I cared about. I think that that says maybe it's like I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly like mourning some chance that I don't get to have to be a better person or something. You know what I mean? I think I'm like that. I, I'm selfish that way. I like to be like. Every, everything's going to be okay because I'm going to make sure that everybody gets along in the end. You know, I have this real like need to do that. I don't even know where that comes from, honestly. Well, I think it's like very intelligent of you to frame it that way because I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm like the person that like smooths things over and I'm like, and they kind of frame it like they're like a good person and they're doing it for other people. But you're like, no, I'm selfish. I just, right. I want, I like to think of myself like that. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a good person. <laughs> Why did you die? I didn't Definitely. get the chance to show you that I was a good person. <laughs> oh my God. You're so selfish because you didn't let me fix this thing. Like I was gonna, <laughs> you had to go and die. What the hell, man? You really flubbed this chance to make me look good yeah that's like really interesting wait can i ask you not not to like totally shift gears but can i ask you about the about the mexico doing drugs thing yeah i mean originally that was almost what i was gonna what i was gonna talk about there was something in in that experience that was so strange and so like hurtful that like I was like maybe I should talk about that and then I was like maybe this is too dark like I don't know oh that's what you were gonna <laughs> talk know, about you know? no I want I, I mean if you yeah. want like what's like do you, are you are you feeling uncomfortable because you don't have to talk about it if it's making you uncomfortable no 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 not at all okay not at all so I went to Mexico yeah I went to Mexico to um to try I had been trying for a couple of years to quit heroin mm. and I was having a really hard time I mean. I don't know what I expected, but I was having a really hard time quitting. <laughs> and, um, for some reason, it was really hard for me. Yeah. I'm kick, the only one that, to kick that heroin. Is that so kicking. weird? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a friend who said, "Yeah, there's this experimental treatment, this drug that you can take. You can't find it in America, though. Like, there's some clinics in other countries that do this, and it's this drug called ibogaine, which is like a very..." Um, it's it's not it's not well known. Um, mm. Even in like Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, which is all about psychedelics, mm-hmm. he, it's only mentioned as a footnote. And the footnote is like some people say that there's this drug ibogaine that can help you quit heroin. That's pretty much it. Wow. Um, so even a, among the like kind of maps, this you know the psychedelic communities, they don't really talk a lot about this. And I don't know if that's because it's rare or because it's like uh, incredibly unpleasant. It's like a very it's 
I don't know if you would call it a bad trip because it does what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a very dark, introspective trip. If you do it with the bark that it comes from, the iboga bark, it lasts about 48 hours, which is really like a long trip. You know, that's like... And so I went and I had it in a, I had a, the, I had the extract of it out, out of the bark. So it was yeah. a bit shorter, still over it, over a day. Um, but I did it in the hospital cause it does kill some people and you can't walk for a few days afterwards and stuff like that. It's a very intense experience. Oh my experience. God. That sounds, <laughs> but yeah. The, yeah, they do this thing where they tell you to ask, ask the drug to see your true self and, um, the images that it showed me as my true self were so dark. And that's why my friend said like, yeah, you didn't know that you hated yourself. You know, um, they were just uh, such like sort of primally evil pictures that when I said like, you know, show me my true self. And even the first time, like maybe 10 hours and I said, you know, show me my true self. And it was straight up. It was so strange. It was just like, no, like it gave me this answer that was like almost like the whole world, the whole psychedelic world shook. And it was just like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, Wait, yeah, you did this really multiple times? Think... No, no, no. Like I asked oh, again I, oh, later I see, in the trip I see. And, okay, okay. and it showed me. But like wow. 10, 10 hours in, I was like, all right, here I go. And it was like, nope, like you're not ready yet. <sighs> you're not ready. You still have to see some horrible things that you've done. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> Sick. And then it's, oh my God. And it's like. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so that's like a common experience. Like that's like what everyone goes through when they take this drug, the psychedelic drug. That one of the things that they prepare you to do is ask to see. Like so, like the they did like several days of therapy beforehand, like intensive preparations for it, where they were like, "All right, here's how you meditate. Here's how you calm your your heart rate. You know, like if your heart rate gets to this is how you do it. You count, you know, this number of breaths and blah 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 blah." They were trying to prepare us to not have like a totally chaotic, awful experience, but to get something therapeutic out of it. And they also make you sign up for six months of post-treatment therapy with like psychologists who have, have gone through the, I began experience. So they can say like, yeah, sure. I remember that part. That's what you, what you need to understand about that is that's, you know, your shadow self. That's your, you know, that's not your ego. That's like another side of you that's talking to you or whatever. I had always kind of thought, of like Jungian principles yeah. and sort of Freud stuff as, as um, like a metaphor, mm. you know? And so when I saw these things like actualized, like, oh, there is like another whole person in here with you that's trying to take the reins from you. It was wow. horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Cause I- and now I like m- my beliefs about what a person is have totally changed ever since then. Oh my God, this is like, this sounds, I did not realize, because I remember you told me that you did this thing. I thought it was like the ayahuasca in a hut with like Natalie Portman or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, Right, right, right. Like, oh, all is love. We're connected. Like, no, not at all. Not like that. (laughs) It wasn't like that. I kind of want to, like, I'm like, I don't want to do it, but I kind of want to do it. Wait, so can I ask, okay, I have so many, I have so many questions. I'm I'm trying to think like, well, what should I ask first? So people die. You said people can die. And how how do, how do they die? So my understanding is, uh, and this might be like a little inside baseball with medical stuff, but there's a thing called a QT response or a QT interval, which is like, I think it's sort of the um, electric pulse that goes between your brain and your heart that tells your heart to beat, Mm -hmm. to keep beating. So there's this like line, boom, boom, you know, it's like brain says, keep beating. Yeah. Heartbeats. Yeah. I guess that that, uh, it can get longer and longer and eventually the QT time can stop. And so your heart basically stops. Right. So I did it on a heart monitor. They had, you know, a heart monitor on and every so often you hear one of them start beeping and they'd go over there and check on the person, make sure that they were not slipping away. They had, you know, crash carts and stuff and we were on IVs and all that, you know, it was like really, um, wow. It was like intensive care, you know, being, being there and being on. And there's multiple people they're doing it at the same time. Yeah. In the same room. Yeah. I'm like, my mind is blown. I did not realize this is like, (laughs) I literally thought you went like on a little like resort hut with get your foot massage and, get a little like <laughs> yeah yeah 
Oh, wow. This is so different than any other psychedelic experience I've ever heard of. Um, so then, yeah. I, and my other question is, did you, did, was it successful in helping you get over your addiction to heroin? I th- I think it was. I think it was a part of it. I, when I got back from that trip, I threw everything at it. You know, I started doing therapy and I started going to AA every day. Yeah. And I started, you know, I, I got a sponsor and I did the steps. And yeah. basically, you know, I changed my phone number. I like, you know, everything that I could think of to do that would take me away from the possibility of ever using again. Because, you know, it had scared me sufficiently to be like, oh, I, I'm not craving right now. I'm not kicking. Apparently, this last three to six months, this feeling of like, I don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to wedge in between me and heroin in those three to six months? Like, I'm going to try and wedge everything that I can in there. I'm going to tell all my friends, you know, the signs of what it's like when I'm using, you know, I'm just going to try and make it so that like, everything is helping me not to use. And even so it was it got really tough between six months and a, I'd say a year and a year and a month, a year and a month, about a year and a month is the first time I realized that I hadn't thought about heroin in like a whole day. I was like, Whoa, wow. I didn't even think about it yesterday. That's, that's new. You know, wow. like I, I don't want to say like I'm free, but like it was, it was a major step. And then when was, when was the trip that you took in Mexico? How long ago was that? So I just celebrated five years last week. Um, and the trip to Mexico was about a year before that because a year before my first day of sobriety, because I, you know, in there, I thought maybe I could keep drinking. And then I had like a day where I, um, <laughs> I thought maybe I could use uh, cocaine, but <laughs> I had this amazing thing happen that stopped me from getting to use, which is when I bought the cocaine, I rolled up the dollar and I got a call. Uh huh. So I stuck the dollar behind my ear without thinking, yeah. like a pencil. Yeah. And I picked up, and it was my like drug counselor. And they were like, "Is that a dollar tucked behind your? What are oh, you up to?" No. And I was like, "I was like, oh man, I just got fucking caught." Like, wow. I I was like, I thought maybe I could do some cocaine because that was never a drug of choice for me. And he was like, "Yeah, no, let me see you throw it out." like oh okay i love that you're like i can do a little cocaine i'm sober but i'm sober but i can, sober, do but I can do a little bit of cocaine <laughs> totally. i'm the first person in history to just do a little tiny bit of cocaine and that was it that was it <laughs> i just want a little cocaine and that's it <laughs> I'm not going to finish this bag and it's not going to be 7 a.m. I'm like calling the cocaine dealer. <laughs> right. How annoying do you think it is <laughs> right. to be a cocaine dealer? Can you imagine just oh. getting phone calls at like, you know, your your phone is blowing the fuck up at 4 a.m. With like really <sighs> fucked up, strung out, like coked out people. Yeah. That's yeah. Gonna be a, that's a tough yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, they deserve the 500% markup or whatever they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tip my drug dealer. That's weird. Wow. Now I feel bad. I feel like I haven't been tipping the drug. No wonder they never pick up. Is that, are you supposed to tip your drug dealer? I don't think so. Not that I do drugs. I think it's more along the lines of like the story that I was telling myself about myself. You know what I mean? Like we were saying before, like, oh yeah, no, like this guy's cool. He's like not just a heroin dealer. He's like a cool guy. I like him and he likes me because I like, I'm cool. I get it. I get that it's like a service position and he's like doing a hard job and I got to tip him. Not like he's giving me baby powder some days and pretending it's drugs and charging me like a hundred dollars for a gram or whatever. Like, no, I should tip him. (laughs) This is a good guy. He's working real hard. I like (laughs) He's, that's not my plug. That's my friend. That's right. my friend, Gerald. Yeah, I would hang out with him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Now I'm like, now I feel like self-conscious that I haven't been tipping my drug dealers enough. Now they hate me. <laughs> they probably talk shit about me to all their drug dealer <laughs> associates. No, I think it's probably the opposite. <laughs> I think he talks shit about me because I tipped him. He was like, who's this fucking asshole? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's probably like, does he not even understand how this, this fucking guy. thing works? This fucking guy. Does he think I like him? <laughs> you know what I mean? Does he think and that impresses me? I gotta sit me? here and listen to him. Yeah. Sick so it as a sign of weakness. I... 
I feel like that's like such a funny little like anecdote. Like I like you need people to like you so much for tipping <laughs> yeah. the heroin dealer. <laughs> yeah. I also like that um in my mind his name is Gerald. <laughs> it's Gerald. <laughs> hey Gerald how's your week going like you're making small talk he's like god damn it I gotta go my phone is blowing up these cocaine people are looking for me oh oh, Gerald wow so it's been so it's been quite a quite some time it's been five years since you were sober so this has been this was a while ago. I didn't even realize it's been that long. I, for some reason, I thought it was like, like right before COVID or something. Yeah, no, I'm glad that it wasn't right before COVID. That's a lot of downtime. You know? Yeah, and yeah, downtime is I'm tough. Sure. I even started playing video games after I got sober just because I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, but you're saying that yeah, it did help you quit, but there was like it wasn't like a magic solution where it was like. I don't think anything is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think anything is. You know, like if there was a pill to take to cure alcoholism, I think like people would cure it. You know, it's one of those things. If I had just stopped taking heroin and not gone into like pretty intensive, like, you know, 12 step, whatever, I think I would definitely just find something else to be horrible about. Mm. I really was like pushing a lot down and covering it with other stuff. And so I think like I probably just would have turn to like a sex addiction or a gambling addiction or like you know i've i've like seen myself Mm. go down other roads but like now i'll talk to my partner about it and say like this seems like it's getting out of control right like for me this is a ridiculous one but like i started like getting obsessed with perfume as an art form so i started like Mm. reading all the like books about it and i started like following certain perfumers who do you know different perfumes at different houses and stuff like that and then i got into indie perfume and then like you know it's like i probably like in my bedroom i have like a thousand not indie perfume yeah oh my god oh yeah and even like artisanal perfume you know like small like i made 10 bottles of this out of these rare ingredients that you can't find anywhere or whatever you know like really yeah really like and i said to liza you know like this seems like it's becoming an issue and she was like i'll take it You know, she was like, I'll take it. It's okay. This is fine. This is okay. Yeah. Like you're still not spending like nearly what you would spend in like one week of of doing heroin. And this isn't killing you. And like sometimes you're mildly annoying about it, but you're basically the person that I signed up to be with and not like this shadow of the person, Mm. you know, which is for, you know, for a couple of years, she was like with a totally different person basically. And pretty wild that she even yeah. tried to help me out of it you know and get through it yeah not well yeah the perfume thing sounds great i feel like <laughs> that's <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're struggling with addiction issues maybe the what was the drug <laughs> I that that's that i be, i began maybe that that's too much but maybe maybe the perfume thing yeah. might be a <laughs> easier way out of this <laughs> You don't have to look at look at your shadow person inside you, the ego that's eating away at your. I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what you saw, but it sounds like the worst. I don't know if I could f- recover psych psychologically from something like that. But I don't know. Maybe I could. I don't want to see the bad person. Wait, can you give us? Can you just give us like an example of something you saw? Because I you it, it sounded all dark and scary. But like, what's like something that we could understand i guess yeah well so like one of the things that they had us do before we went in there is that they they primed our subconscious by playing us images of like iconic people so that you would be able to like see somebody that you recognized when you asked to see your true self and those people represent different things to different people so like you know it's like uh jfk and cleopatra and marilyn monroe and like all these things say different things about us like the woman next to me on one side, she saw Marilyn Monroe and she unpacked that as like, oh, like, oops. She unpacked that as like having to do with like, I see myself as a sex symbol. I see myself through like the male gaze. I don't see myself for who I am. I see myself as like, you know, and this is something I have to deal with, you know? And I was like, that's interesting, you know? And then, um, you know, it's not the only picture of myself that I saw. But the first thing that I saw was a black and white picture of Hitler when I asked to see my true self. 
That's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. like, when I woke up, I was like, man, like, <laughs> is this, like, past life stuff? Or, like, like was I Hitler, you know? And then the therapist had to be like, no, it just means that you think you're a terrible. You think. You hate you, yourself. You yeah. hate yourself. You think you're a terrible yeah. person. Also, like, mm-hmm. you may want to think you're self-aggrandizing. You're not just a terrible person. You're, like, the worst one. Nobody's worse than you. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. like, at least from, yeah. a, you know, my position in history and culture, like, yeah, Hitler's probably, like, the worst thing that I could come up with in, in, in you know what I mean? Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just sounds like, yeah, that's just, like, you really hate yourself. And I feel like that's so heartbreaking for yeah. me because I think I, I do know – obviously myself I fucking hate myself and it's like something I have to work on but mm-hmm. I also feel like I have worked on it and I'm like at a good place with it where it's like something I have to continually process but mm-hmm. I feel like I know people that really hate they're like in a different place with that and they're still like have a lot of self-hatred and I it just it's, it makes me it like really breaks my heart when I see it in other people you know I'm just like I am I am bad. I'm a bad person. But you are you're great. <laughs> you're <laughs> like you good. know what I mean? Like you're good. Yeah. It's like yeah. yeah. I definitely yeah. would say that, you know, that that thing that I talked about, the separation of what a self is, like one of the things that I saw was I I came in contact with like this idea of the animal the animal brain. That that is that there's literally mm. like literally inside you, there's like a just kind of a dumb animal that like wants to eat and like get affection and like maybe have sex it's sometimes. Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan <laughs> yeah. lives inside of all of There's us. Joe Just amazed that simple fact. Wow, what? Wow, is this what's this called? Fire? <laughs> Fuck yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like through seeing that, I used to kind of look at my body and say like, "Oh, I hate you for being like a little fat," or "I hate you for not being strong enough," or "I hate you for." you know, X, Y, and Z, or like, you know, oh, I took some drugs and I can't believe like my body's like giving out on me right now. You know, like, how could you do this to me, body? You got to stick in there. And when I came out of it, I saw it from a very different perspective, which is like, on some level, there is this just like, just totally innocent animal inside my body that's just like, please treat me okay. And it's up here. Mm. It's like, it's this, it's this like, egomaniacal person up here that has all these ideas about what I'm going to put the body through, you know, and the body's like, Mm. wait, why are you doing this to me? Why'd you put more poison in me? Why are you like starving me? Why are you like doing these things that are so bad for me? And I started to have this like great sense of sympathy for, for like the me that like I've done terrible things to. And I, I found myself after the fact and this was, you know, at the suggestion of the psychedelic therapist is like, you need to like reconcile with yourself and spend some time like every day in front of the mirror being like, hey, it's okay. I'm sorry for all I put you through. I forgive you mm-hmm. for the times that you've like failed me. And like, we're in this together. Like, we're stuck here together. So like, I'm going to do my best to get you through it where you don't, where you don't have to like suffer as much as you've suffered yeah. at, my, at my hands before. And I love you. You know what I mean? And like, it felt so corny to do that. It was so embarrassing to have to talk to myself in the mirror, but it was mm-hmm. like profound. It made a profound difference where now, like I don't hate myself. I kind of like, sometimes I'm not proud of everything that I'm doing or who, you know, like, yeah, I still wish I was like a skinny supermodel. You know what I mean? I wish I was young and that like my cheekbones were good and I didn't have wrinkles or whatever. You know, I wish I, all those things, of course I do. Like that's like been pounded into me Mm -hmm. so many times and, you know, being in a band, I've had to see so many like unflattering pictures of myself, like sweating on a stage, you know? Um, but now I have like a different attitude towards it all. Yeah, I love you. You're good. You're good. You're just, you're simple. You're like, you don't deserve bad stuff. And even for when I do bad things, I just try and make, make them right as soon as I can and then try and let go of them. You know, it's like a very different, Yeah, it's a very different life. And even some of the bad decisions that I want to make, and this is totally new, I won't make because I can kind of see where it'll put me. 
And I know that I don't want to lose sleep over something bad that I did. I know that I don't want to like be self-recriminating and hating myself for some stupid selfish decision that I want to make desperately. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really changed my relationship with myself, I guess. That's like so profound. I mean, it, I like how you, I don't, I've never heard someone say that you're seeing yourself as an animal because you hear a lot like, you know, in therapy and stuff that you have to see yourself as the child Mm -hmm. that went through hard stuff. And when you like, you know, I've had moments in therapy when I see myself as like a six year old that went through like whatever trauma as a separate person than me, like a little, like a little kid, it makes me extremely sad. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's how I'm like getting in touch with feeling sad about myself to see it as like another person right um but i've never heard of somebody like literally thinking about themselves as like an animal like a little animal but it's totally true we are animals and it's like there's this like stupid monkey that is me and it's just like has no idea what's going on no idea why you know I'm right. calling Gerald at 3 a.m. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. It's just like, why are we doing this? I just want to like eat food and uh, lay down in the sun. Yeah. And that's so sad that I'm like putting that monkey through all this shit. Right. That's, it's so profound. Yeah. And like, it's like sometimes <sighs> even, even the embarrassing stuff, I can kind of be like, yeah, okay. The monkey, like you see a monkey and it's like horny in a cage doing something crazy with another monkey. You're like, yeah, you're you're a monkey, yeah, you monkey. of course it. you're gonna do that like i get it so even that way i can kind of like yeah i can forgive myself a little more where it's like okay well yeah like everybody gets like everybody has animal urges or whatever you know like i don't have to so what i threw shit at your face <laughs> so, so what, what? so we all want to do it it was a very innocent like it came from a very pure motivation which is like i didn't like you for a minute so i threw shit at you yeah <laughs> Why, why is why is that weird? <laughs> Maybe you should be a little bit more compassionate to your the monkey that lives inside you and then you you will feel comfortable enough to throw shit at people too. Maybe maybe you need to do that. No, I definitely act like yeah, that's like I love I love that. I like it a lot better than the kid thing cuz I feel like a lot of most people feel more compassionate toward animals than children. I don't know why. I feel I like do, so many I people do. feel that way. Yeah, well, if yeah. the kid is me, then I still see what a shitty kid I was and how many terrible thoughts I had about wanting to kill people and stuff. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, you know, like I had yeah. really fucked up thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say when before I had Mino, my son, I was like I just didn't get kids. Like I didn't understand them. I didn't really care about them. But uh-huh. now I'm like, oh, yeah. And th- and that's when all the therapy stuff where I saw myself as a kid started to work. Because I'm like, you know, I care so much about my son. Yeah. And okay, I, I, I love him that. so much. Yes. Yeah. And that's when it started to click. And I was like, what if somebody did that to me now? Oh, and that yeah. was like, that's when I could see, uh, ha- have compassion for my child self. But before I had my son, I was like, kick her in the head. She's a bitch. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's stupid. Oh, I totally Six-year-old me was even worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, That's, isn't it? That was my attitude too. So it's probably not having kids that I can't like, I don't get it. I don't get why I would have compassion for the kid. It's like, I remember the only kid I know is me <laughs> and I'm still that kid and that's what gets me into trouble. No. Um, but yeah, wow. no, I could definitely so see funny. that. Like, how could you? Yeah, if you if you're just thinking about like decisions you've made through the lens of like what if that happened or like not even decisions, maybe just events you've been through. Like what if that yeah. happened to Mino? Like yeah, you would totally That fucking destroys me. You wouldn't blame Mino for anything like that. You No, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But it yeah, it had to until I had him, I couldn't even do that for myself. I was like, yeah, yeah I was a stupid idiot when I was eight years old and it was not all my fault. <laughs> And I was like, you know what I mean? You're I'm really so, opening so my eyes. Be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe the trick, Jeff, is like you think about another kid, not yeah. you, yourself as a kid. <laughs> That's got to be it. Because even thinking about Mino, I'm like tearing up. Like if something bad happened to Mino. Right? So it's like, it's just not me. Like me, I have no, even as a kid, I'm like, so what? Loser. <laughs> I'm like, you were a loser yeah. then too. There's a reason why kids beat you up. <laughs> Yeah, you could borrow Mino as yeah. the surrogate to your child Aww. self. 
poor Mino going yeah, through all these things have... that I'm putting him through in my head of that I've been through. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then you're crying in your room like, oh, what if... The... <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Mino. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so, so funny. Because like my my thing, I'll like show you an example. Like my thing was like when I was a kid, my mom would leave me by myself in the uh-huh. house when I was like six. Mm-hmm. Like for days. Like oh, it wow. was just like... yeah severe negligent abuse and now i'm like if i think of mino and like how sad he would be oh my god i can't even think about it i'm gonna start crying Mm. like even if i even if um like there was this one time where i because i don't i don't have a buzzer for the front gate in my apartment the babysitter he was asleep she she had to come down and open the door and she was leaving and i was going in right and so when we were in front of the building we were just talking for like three minutes like three five minutes just like catching up and i went upstairs and he had woken up and he was crying Mm -hmm. and it was literally like the span of like five minutes but of course it's terrifying to wake up and no one's there yeah and just just a mat and just thinking like oh my god and this is like you know when he was like seven and I was like, oh, my God, like I was alone in my house by myself all the time, like at night, you know, yeah. and yeah. and like look at how sca- scared and sad Mino is that it happened for f- five minutes. Like that is so much trauma that I went through when I was his age, you know, Yeah, it really like, yeah, it really like opened my eyes to like and then I, I yeah, like I feel sorry for that kid, you know, right. Because if I think of it, like. Anyway, I'm really excited that you you actually wanted to share your story about the the about the the psychedelic thing because I did not realize it was that it was that intense. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was long. It's real long. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. That's the part that's like it's a tough sell. I think it's like one thing to you know have like a couple hours of difficulty, but like 24, yeah. 24 hours or so of like really like it's a lot. They call it a thousand, uh, a thousand hours of therapy in one night. That's like the sort of like, that was one of the sort of original names for it when it was not considered medicine. It was just part of like another culture, which I think, um, it's, it's an African shrub. And so like the tribe that Mm -hmm. found, found it was, um, the Buiti, Buiti tribe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so they had like that is sort of a coming of age ritual. Um, so it really like, wow, see, see who can handle their shit. I guess this is sort of what they figured out. Those people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. They were also the one, um, apparently I've read that they were the one tribe that resisted Christian colonialization. And, uh, apparently the quote that I've read was that when the missionaries came yeah. And said, do you want to learn about God? And they said, we can show you God. He's in the forest. And they would bring them and make, I love them, that. make them take it. And then the missionaries were like, we're not going back there. <laughs> Once you see the truth, you can't close your eyes to the truth. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know. We know we, God very well. You want to see? He's We've back all here. We've seen the face of God. Yeah. yeah I'm, so, I'm proud of those people. Yeah. Psychedelics are so great. I love psychedelics. Um yeah. I I don't know if I will I would ever do that, but um, <laughs> I I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know that. It's, I, it, before you, I let you go. Would you say that you recommend this treatment for people that are looking to kick like a drug habit? Yeah, I think if you're so desperate that this is the last thing that you think you can do, absolutely do it. You know, even when I found out mm. that it it had the possibility of killing people, I think it's like. I think it's pretty low. I think it's maybe like 0.3%, which is three in a a thousand maybe or something like that. So it's not Mm. like, it's not super high uh, chance of killing you. Whereas I think like uh, the chance of heroin overdoses are much, much higher. So it's kind of like, well, it's, yeah, I know this is dangerous, but like, let's be honest, my average week is so much more dangerous than this that I should probably just like face my fears and go do it. So if you're at that point... I absolutely yeah. recommend it. I absolutely recommend not treating it like it's a cure, though. It's just like one tool mm. out, of, out of many, you know? Yeah. Well, 
Thank you so much for sharing your story. That was so fascinating. I, I feel like I can hear like, just like you talking about yourself and how you view yourself. Like I can hear, I mean, you know, obviously we haven't had this in-depth of a conversation before. Maybe it was always um, something that you were, sorry, my dog's coming up. <laughs> comfortable talking about but um here's my dog corn corn, corn. corn. this is what's inside of you that this is the that this yeah. is the animal they have to be nice to that's what i'm saying um yeah a little scared horny chihuahua yeah don't um, you just want to take care of that little chihuahua i do yeah <laughs> oh, she's so sweet um before you go where can our listeners find you on social media Oh, yeah. Um, so my to. social media, the best one is Instagram because I got kicked off of Twitter. Um, Whoopsie. My Instagram is G-E-O-F-F-R-I-C-K-L-Y. So Jeff Rickley, all one word, although it's spelled all funky. Yeah. And then you can find my band really easily. Uh, my two bands, either um, Thursday Band or No Devotion Band. Those are the two two bands that are worth checking out. Yay! And if you're going on the Emo's Not Dead cruise, I'm so jealous. Oh, Catch yes. him on the cruise ship next week. My little um, speedo, I'll be well, out on deck in my speedo. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Harry Butthole Podcast on Instagram, and my Instagram is Mayor. If you want to follow me, thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.